We are now well into our sermon series on renewing our minds according to uh, biblical truth. And, and then as a result of that, allowing ourselves to be transformed by God. Um, I hope that, that through the first three weeks, we've been, been either challenged or affirmed regarding uh, how we, we think about the topics that we've discussed and, and my continued prayer is that, that God, as God renews our minds according to his words, that, that we'll more and more discern his will in, in uh, all these various uh, situations. And so the, the next uh, topic in the series is identity. And as I was first doing some prep work for this sermon, uh, my plan was to cover two main areas regarding identity. Uh, I wanted to talk about our identity in Christ as those who've come to salvation in him. And I also wanted to talk about our identity as it pertains to the understanding of gender and biological sex, something that is, is discussed heavily in our society today. And I had thought that I might be able to cover both of those in a single sermon, maybe a little ambitious, um, but as I was studying, outlining, uh, discussing things with Pastor Tim, it, it, it just became evident that, that each of those aspects of identity could be and probably should be its own sermon. Uh, it could probably each be their own sermon series, for that matter. Um, and so uh, instead of trying to cover them both at once, I'm, I'm going to split that up into two separate sermons. So we'll talk about our identity in Christ today, and then next week we'll, we'll look at gender and biological sex. So as we start uh, in today's topic, I want you to I want you to think about a situation in which you meet someone for the very first time. And for this exercise, let's assume that it's, it, it's, you're meeting them in a fairly neutral location. So, so like on an airplane or in a line at an amusement park or waiting for a table at a restaurant, you know, somewhere where it doesn't really tell a whole lot about who you are just based on the context. When you first meet someone and are getting to know each other, what are the first things that you usually say about yourself to help identify yourself? I mean, this is an introvert's most favorite situation, right? <laughs> Where you essentially have to answer the question, who are you, to a perfect stranger. If you're an introvert, you know what I'm talking about. But uh, in those moments, introvert or extrovert, one of the ways that, that we typically describe ourselves is by what we do, right? Isn't that one of the places we normally go? Now, it could be an occupation. We describe ourselves in that way. It could be our role within a family. It could be saying what grade we are in at school or what, uh, what major we are studying in college. Uh, it could be saying that we are retired, kind of say, well, this is what I used to do, and, and now I'm retired. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with sharing that information with people to, to help them get to know us, us get to know them. But there does get to be a problem if we begin to view our identity, our, our core identity, according to those things. If, if our identity is built upon what we currently do or what we've done in the past or what we hope to do in the future, 
then we'll find that, that we are now identifying ourselves by what we produce rather than who we are as a person. Now, the things we do matter. Again, please, please don't hear me incorrectly there. Those things matter. But when it comes to our identity, we ought to have our minds renewed according to the identity that we are given in Christ by our loving God. That's an identity which is lasting and firm. And then we'll, we'll talk about that this morning. You know, that it's also an identity that brings fulfillment and brings it where, where all those other identities can't do it. So, so as we strive to do that this morning, again, let, let's consider not what we've done in the past, not what we do in the present or what we hope to do in the future. Instead, we want to consider who we were in the past, who we are in the present, and who we will be in the future, and all of that based on Christ's work in our lives. That's what we're going to look at this morning. And the Bible has so much to say about our identity in Christ in those areas. I think the more we understand, the more we receive what God has to say about our identity, the more joy we'll find, the more purpose that we will find in him. So, so let's start by thinking about who we were in the past. Now, some of us this morning, if we're being honest, would rather not talk about the past, right? Uh, to do so might, might cause feelings of regret, shame, disappointment to, to flood over us. Um, others of us might just be running from our past. Perhaps it's it's been a year of that, or five years, or, or five decades of, of seeking to get away from our past. Maybe it's getting away from things that we've done. Maybe it's getting away from things that have been done to us, but we're seeking to run. And, and some of us may have those feelings as we look back, and, and we're looking back at a time before we knew Jesus. Others of us may have those feelings, and we're looking back at a time where we did know Jesus, but but just weren't walking in obedience to him. Whatever you see when you look back at the past, there are two incredible realities for those who are in Christ that I want to talk about this morning. And these are realities that we must allow to form our identity. So the first reality is that in Christ, I am saved from my past. I'm saved from my past. Now, the Bible's clear. Sin is rebellion against God, and sin must be treated justly, and it will be treated justly by God. Each sin that I've committed, that you've committed, must be and will be justly judged. But a great truth of the gospel is that in Christ, I'm saved from that judgment. I'm saved. Uh, listen to the words. I want to read some words from, from Jesus and some words from Paul as well that speak about this truth. So, so first what Jesus says to us in John chapter 5, verse 24. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment but has passed from death to life. And then the words of Paul in Romans chapter 10, 
He writes this, starting in verse nine. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Now, neither one of those statements from Jesus or Paul glosses over the reality of the past. They don't do that. Jesus stated that we were dead. Paul speaks of confessing, which, which is assuming past sins. But through the work of Jesus in our lives, we're no longer dead and guilty. But instead, we are those who are alive and justified. We're saved from that judgment. We're saved from the eternal death that we deserved. Now, Satan does not want us to think about ourselves in that way. Not at all. He does not want us to grasp that incredible truth. He'd prefer that we go around dragging the weight of those past sins, head hung in shame for what has occurred in the past. He's happy when we're, when we're looking over our shoulder just wondering when the next shoe is going to drop. He wants us to believe that Forgiveness for all of that in the past isn't possible. But in Christ, our identity is that of a person who has been saved, saved from judgment, saved from death. We are now those who are justified and given new life. That is our identity in Christ when we look back at those things. I mean, what a wonderful truth that is, isn't it? That's who we are in Christ. We are saved from our past. And then in addition to that, in Christ, we are also set free from our past. We're saved and we're set free. We're, we, we, are, we are set free from our prior slavery to sin. Again, I want to read some words of Jesus, and I want to read some words from Paul on this. So Jesus says this in John chapter 8. Verse 34, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Well, there's a statement of identity right there. And then Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 6. Paul writes, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So apart from Jesus, we are enslaved by sin. We are held captive by our sinful nature. That's who we are apart from him. Perhaps when we look back over our lives, we can see that. Maybe we look back on our lives and know that, man, I, I was set free by Jesus, but I wasn't living in that freedom. I wasn't walking as someone who was set free. I, I continued to 
practice sin and act like I was enslaved by sin in the midst of my freedom. In either case, we have to renew our minds regarding the identity that, that we are people who are set free from sin in Christ. That, that, that's who we are in him. Sin and, and consequently death have no dominion over us. No dominion over us. We're set free from the bonds of our past and we are also set free from the identity of our past. And, and those are both important, right? Set free from our bonds and set free from our identity of our past. And I, I wanna recognize the difficulty of viewing ourselves excuse me, correctly as it pertains to our past. People around us, or, or maybe even we ourselves, might ground our identity in, in the past, who we were in the past, what we've done in the past. That might be what defines us in our own eyes or in the eyes of other people. Jesus says, no, no, I've set you free, and so you are free indeed. That's how Jesus responds. I mean, the old self has been crucified. It's been buried in the ground. We, we ought to leave it there. It's been buried. We ought to live in the freedom of Jesus. And, and it starts by this renewal of the mind. It starts by recognizing our identity as sons and daughters who've been set free. That's who we are. Even if somebody else doesn't view us that way, even if we have trouble viewing ourselves that way, we are set free in Christ. So our past is not who we are. Because of Jesus, we're set free from that. I mean, this is incredible. This is why I didn't just want to gloss over things too fast this morning, because these truths are amazing, especially when we think about our, our identity being grounded in them. And yet there's more. I mean, that, that, that's only just pertaining to the past, right? We can, our identity in Christ speaks to that, but it also speaks to the present, who we are here and now. And I'm just going to touch on uh, four different ones this morning. Um, this is just the beginning of the list in a lot of ways. There's so many more that we could spend time talking about. Um, but I think these four are really, really good. And so we're going to talk about these. First, uh, because of Christ... I am now chosen. Chosen. We love to be chosen, don't we? I like to be chosen. I'm assuming that, that you do too. And I mean, whether that's chosen by our spouse or whether it's chosen by our boss for a prestigious assignment or just chosen in gym class to be on the team. I mean, we like to be chosen. And the other side of that, we, we know the pain of not being chosen. Of, of someone else being picked instead of us. For those of us who've experienced salvation in Jesus, it means that Jesus looked upon us. He saw us as we were, and he chose us. He chose us, and because he chose us, we're his. Um, there's a passage in, in 1 Peter that speaks so well to this. So let me read in 1 Peter chapter 2. And I'll start in verse 9. It says, But you are a chosen race, 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now, Peter's writing these verses to an entire group of people being chosen by God, but, but the reality applies to individuals as well. It, it ought to be difficult for us to read those verses and still come away feeling devalued or, or, or feeling unwanted. Um, it doesn't matter who has rejected us in this life or why they've rejected us or, or how many times they've rejected us. God chose us. In Christ, God chose us. He chose you. He chose me. We are his people, as Peter says. We're his. And we ought to let the, the goodness of that reality wash over us. I am, you are, chosen by God. He's chose us. We're also reconciled to God in Jesus. When we look back at who we were prior to Jesus, our sin fractured our relationship with God. I mean, the Garden of Eden is such a tangible picture of that. Adam and Eve walking with God, and then sin enters the picture, and, and, and you can see the separation in their relationship in so many ways. Adam and Eve hide. They have to leave the garden. I, I mean, we see it there. Our identity used to be someone who was who had that fractured relationship with God. And not, not just that, we were opposed to God. Enemies, even, the Bible talks about. Not exactly a harmonious relationship, right? But in Christ, that has changed. Romans chapter 5 says this, verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son... Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We were created to live in right relationship with God. We get that picture in Genesis as well. And not only were we created for it, but God desires that with us and even if we don't recognize it, we desire that with him, too. We desire to be in right relationship with God. We long for it. And through our Lord Jesus Christ, we can have it. We can have that right relationship with God. We are reconciled to God through him. If you've ever been in the same room with someone whom you have a broken relationship, you know the feelings that are present there, don't we? Tension, anxiety, anger, uh, uncertainty. I mean, your, your blood pressure might be rising as I say that if you're thinking of a specific situation, right? When we are reconciled to God, those are not the things that are present in our relationship with him. Instead, we can approach him with joy and, and peace and confidence. That's who we are in Christ we can look forward to being in his presence. We can enjoy that rather than dread it. And it's all accomplished in Christ. Our relationship with God has been made whole because of 
Jesus. So my identity, your identity in Christ is that of someone who has a right relationship with God. It's been reconciled. There's more. I feel like I'm just backing the dump truck up today and piling it all on, but it, it's a good, it's good stuff. We're chosen, reconciled. In Jesus, we're also a new creation. New creation. So we're not only saved from our past, we're not only set free from our past, we are, we are brand new in Jesus. Paul says in 2 Corinthians that, that in Christ, we're a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. We're no longer that old person that we look back and see in our past. We are now new in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul describes that old person. He says that it's corrupt. But as new people, he says, we possess the righteousness and holiness of God. That's who we are in Jesus. We possess the righteousness and holiness of God. Uh, if I had to pick a single aspect from this list that, that is most difficult for me to grasp, I think this is the one. I, even though I know, I know that I'm a new creation in Jesus, I, I struggle to view myself as possessing God's righteousness and God's holiness. I, mean, I, haven't, I haven't earned that, of course. It, it's all given to me by my merciful Savior. But I, I still struggle to fully accept it. I'm, I'm more comfortable seeing myself as not quite as bad as I used to be, or not as bad as I would be apart from Jesus. I'm more comfortable seeing myself that way. But it's not that Jesus has just fixed me up to the point where I can now function. Right? Well, the, yeah, it, 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 I'm completely new in him. We are a new creation. I mean, that's, it's his righteousness, his holiness that is given to us and placed upon us. And that is, that is wonderful. And then the fourth one in, in, in this section, in Christ, I'm a citizen of God's kingdom. Citizen of his kingdom. In, in both Matthew's and Mark's gospel, Jesus began his public ministry by, by proclaiming that God's kingdom was at hand. That's how he started. Jesus came to reign over the kingdom of God. Now, we know that this kingdom is not yet fully realized on the earth. All right, that's not going to happen until Jesus, uh, until he returns, till his second coming. But, but his kingdom can be tasted upon this earth here and now. The church is meant to be the place where Jesus reigns and where his people live according to his kingship. In Christ, as people who are a part of his bride, the church, we are citizens of his kingdom. Paul says it this way in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That's who we are. If we are truly citizens of God's kingdom, then we possess all the rights that come with that citizenship. We are protected by our king. Any, any uh, usurper to his kingdom will be and, and has been defeated by him. We're safe within the borders of God's kingdom. We're protected, we're provided for by our king. As we seek first his kingdom, we don't have to be anxious about 
what we'll eat or drink or wear. God knows what we need. He will provide it. Those are the privileges of being a citizen of God's kingdom. When Paul uh, speaks about his Roman citizenship in his letters, he does that in some different places, he speaks with a, with a certain confidence in his writing. He knows that there's things that come with being a Roman citizen at that time. We know that there's things that come with being an American citizen in our time. But we can have that confidence in and it's an even greater confidence that comes from our identity as citizens of God's kingdom. That's who we are in Christ. So our identity in Christ, it, it speaks about who we used to be, it speaks about who we are now, and it, it also, we're given promises regarding who we will be for the rest of eternity. And so the last one you can see on the notes, because of Jesus we are his forever. We are God's forever. We don't have to fear our identity changing due to being unchosen or, or him taking away our citizenship in his kingdom. We don't have to worry about that. Likewise, nothing that we face in this life is, is going to pry us away from Jesus. Paul says in Romans 8, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Jesus. Um, God makes this promise to his people in Isaiah chapter 43. In verse two, he says this. He says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Jesus speaks along these lines in John chapter 10. And he says this in verse 28. He says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. No one can snatch us from the hand of God. We, we are secure in him. So when we think about the future and maybe get a little anxious about what it might hold, we can rest in that. When our identity is grounded in who we are in Jesus, there's rest and there's peace because that identity is firm and it's stable. All the other things that we might put our identity in in this life are fleeting. Um, they're all fleeting. They, they, can, be, they can be taken away. Um, they can be severely altered in an instant. Uh, I, was, uh, I was reading about uh, a woman named Rhonda Rousey, which you've maybe heard of before. She once held the title, um, it was given to her by Sports Illustrated, she held the title of world's most dominant athlete. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty incredible title, world's most dominant athlete. She was an Olympic medalist in judo, um, consistently ranked in the top few in the world. Um, she later transitioned into mixed martial arts, and she became a world champion at that. And uh, at one point in her mixed martial arts career, she was 12 and 0. And only one fighter ever got past the first round when facing her. Eight of the 12 didn't even make it beyond one minute in, 
in the ring with her. I mean, you can see why she was given that title, world's most dominant athlete. And then, in November of 2015, she lost, and lost pretty badly. And, and these are her words that I came across. She was being interviewed soon after she lost. And, and, and again, just, just listen for where her identity is grounded when she makes this statement. She said, I was literally sitting there thinking about killing myself. That exact second, I'm like, I'm nothing. What do I do anymore? No one cares about me anymore without this. I mean, where's her identity grounded in that statement? I mean, her identity was wrapped up in something that was not solid, was not unshakable. Maybe you've gone through an experience similar to that. The, the, the more common situations for us might be the death of a family member or the loss of a job or a physical ailment that we're suddenly dealing with. If our identity is grounded in temporary things, then we'll find it shaken, if not totally upended, when those things change. But in Jesus, we are secure. We are his forever. Glad you're back, Gordy. Been missing you there. <laughs> Amen to that. Who we are in Jesus is who we will be forever. It can't be taken away from us. You'll sometimes hear it said that teenagers, young adults, that they're in the season of life where they're trying to discover who they are, right? That they're seeking to discern their identity. And that's true, right? No doubt, that season of life contains plenty of searching for identity. But let's be honest, we, we can't say that younger people are the only ones searching for, the only ones who care about identity something that is important to us as humans throughout our lives. Who am I? That's the question, right? Sometimes that question lies beneath the surface. We may not even realize that we're asking it. And other times, we're looking at ourselves in the mirror, uh, maybe literally, maybe metaphorically, but looking at ourselves, asking that question. It's front and center in our consciousness. Who am I? Where does my identity lie? As followers of Jesus, we are blessed to be able to answer that question from the foundation of our identity in Jesus. We can look backward and know what we've been saved from, what we've been freed from. We can look at the present and open ourselves to who God says we are here and now. And we can look into the future and rest assured that our identity in Christ will never be destroyed. It will not be taken, taken away from us. As I was thinking about the, uh, the practical application for, for what we're talking about today, I kept coming back to the importance of renewing our minds, the importance of, of how we think and what we think about to go back to Ronda Rousey, I mean, she heard the accolades and I think, I think began to think of herself according to those things. And, I, you know, I don't think I'll offend anyone by saying this, but none of us here today are probably in danger of being called the world's most dominant athlete. I think I'm safe at saying that. 
that identity isn't going to be a temptation for us. But there are other things that can be a temptation for us. We can be tempted to think of our identity according to the title on our business card or the position that we hold on the sports team or the size of our family or, or abilities pertaining to a hobby or a skill. I mean, we can put our identity there and any of those things can be taken from us in the blink of an eye. If our identity is going to be grounded in Christ in such a way that we live out of that identity, not just that we can nod our head to it, but that it truly impacts how we live each day, then it can't be done apart from thinking correctly and repeatedly about who we are, about renewing our minds in this area. It's something that we have to find ways to remind ourselves of regularly, uh, reading the truths in God's word. Um, we need others to be speaking these truths to us, reminding us of who we are in Christ. Uh, maybe we need to write them down in a list. Maybe there's a couple that we struggle to remember and we need to have them on us always so that when Satan comes at us and we're tempted to waver in that identity, we can pull it out and remember who we are in Christ Jesus. We can respond to him with that confidence. The more we think on these things, these wonderful outcomes of God's work in our life through Jesus, the more we think on them, the more we will find our minds being renewed. I'm confident in that. And the more that our minds are renewed, the more we will be transformed into a person whose identity is firmly grounded in who we are in Christ. It'll impact how we live. It won't just be how we see ourselves. It'll impact how we live each and every day when it's coming from that firm foundation in Christ. But again, it goes back to renewing our minds. How are we thinking about ourselves? Let's stand together in prayer. We need God's help in this. There's so much temptation to ground our identity in so many different areas. Let's, let's come before God and ask him to, to renew our minds in this way. Father, uh, we come before you and, and we give you the praise and the glory for, for your work. I mean, the, the, everything that we've talked about this morning is because of you. All of it is true because of your work in our lives. And so we recognize that and we're so grateful for it. God, would you, would you help me and help all of us to remember these things? To not view ourselves in the ways that Satan might tempt us to, to not view ourselves according to fleeting things, but, but to remember who we are in you because of you. I'm thankful, God, that there's such peace. There's calmness there. There's certainty there. There's rest. I give you praise for that, God. For all of us, help, help us to remember these things. We, help us to remind one another of these things. God, if I'm putting my identity somewhere where I shouldn't, bring someone to me to help remind me of who I am in you. God, give me that wisdom to see that in somebody else and the courage 
to bring that up for them. God, we're so thankful that, that we are new in you. We're chosen, we're citizens, we're secure in you. God, may that inform everything that we do. May it inform how we think, but may it inform how we speak, how we act, everything about us. God, we give you the praise this morning. Again, it's all because of your work in our lives. And we're so grateful for it. We pray it in your name. Amen.